everyone doing it this is the 12th episode of cooper's chalk talk so sorry for the long layoff everyone um definitely want to be more regular with this i just had a really bad case of bronchitis actually this past week and a half so finally kind of feeling better back to normal sorry i'm going to try to keep the coughing down to a lower amount if possible um but today i'm going to be talking about johnny toppy i actually kind of came across some of his old fight footage um and you know it kind of triggered me i was like you know what is more new mexican than johnny Tapia? you know i think that this guy really embodied the culture of new mexico you know this guy was you know very very proud to be from new mexico and he was somebody who whenever he was on the scene especially in the 90s you know he won i think a total of six um world titles he got inducted into the um, Boxing Hall of Fame in 2017 after he had already passed away. Um, you know, this guy definitely was a proud New Mexican um, repping Albuquerque kind of to the end. Um, and, you know, the, the kind of crazy part, too, is before really John Johnny Winkle, I believe his name is... Um, he was he was actually one of his trainers and that was before anybody even knew who he was so <clears throat> sorry um so with that being said you know you kind of look into you know his life and kind of what he went through and you know this guy you know his mom passed away whenever he was very very young um she was stabbed 20 times and then they actually didn't find her murder until he was actually already a world champion um, which is, you know, you know, it's, it's really kind of devastating, especially, you know, you kind of think about that is, you know, your whole life you go not knowing who killed your mom. She was killed 20, she was stabbed 22 times left in the West Mesa of Albuquerque. Um, you know, she was left there to die. And then you kind of, you're waiting for your mom to come home and then she ends up dying whenever you're young and you have to wait your whole life to kind of get any kind of answer from that. So, you know, they end up finding out, finding out who the, the murder was. Um, the guy had already been killed. He actually was, um, ran over by, I think a car. It was actually a pretty brutal way that the guy that killed his mother actually passed away. I believe he got hit by a car and was like ran over three times or something, um, from just looking at the report. But, um, but nonetheless, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, you kind of think about like having, carrying that demon with you your entire life. And, you know, that's kind of something, you know, as you, as you kind of read anything about Johnny Tapia, it's, you know, he had a, just as many demons in the ring as he did outside the ring. And, you know, a lot of that was with drugs. It's kind of, you know, he was always known as kind of this, this bad boy of boxing because he had a very bad coke addiction and you know once again this is this is something you know when whenever I was growing up you know I didn't I didn't really know a whole lot you know Johnny Tapia was you know kind of at the height of his career in 94 95 um you know I think that he had uh he had some really big title fights in 99 but you know being born in 88 you know you don't you don't really pay attention too much to that kind of stuff unless you're actually into the boxing community I was more of a baseball football kid so you know kind of going back and looking on this you know and you know th there's a lot of good things that you know, you kind of look at what he did in the city of Albuquerque, you know, this is like an old school gangster guy, definitely just a tough son of a bitch, like just dude was just tough, you watched him box, every single one of his fights was incredible, he never, he never laid over, he always came at it, he threw some great combinations, you know, he was a showman in the ring as well, you know, I think that that's something you kind of look at, you know, you, you look at a lot of the, the Mayweather stuff and a lot of people are like, oh, you know, he's a boring fighter. He's a defensive fighter. And whenever you watch Tapia, Tapia, just as much as he was a great defensive fighter, you know, he went after them. You know, he was a great combination fighter. And that's kind of what he was known for in the ring is throwing these great combinations. And, you know, he would, he, you know, he would kind of bring in the crowd and he actually won his first title fight, his first world championship in 94 in Albuquerque, which is amazing that he was able to win that in the city of Albuquerque. So, 
um, you know, in every, every fight, even his losses, you know, I think his total boxing record, um, I think he won a total of, or he had a total of 66 fights with 59 wins and only five losses. And out of those five losses, two of them were to the same guy, um, which once again, they're, they're both very controversial losses. Both of his first losses were very controversial. And, you know, I think that that kind of spiraled him back into drugs. And, you know, it's kind of crazy because, you know, this guy this guy fought again when he was 43 years old after he had got out of prison. He, he fought two more fights after he got out of prison at 43. Um, you know, it kind of leaves you scratching your head. You're like, this guy, he just, that's what he did. He was just, you know, as, as weird as it sounds, a guy is just like, he was a boxer. He fought. He was a professional fighter. That's what his his life was. And you know, even whenever he he got into the ring at, at twenty three, he actually got kicked out of boxing because of drugs. And then you know what he did for money is he actually fought guys in an old in an old basically cooler of a restaurant. And that's how he would make his money. He would fight people, and they would basically pay him to come fight these these just random guys on the street. So you know th- that's what he did his entire life. He's just a tough guy. You know his his family was was kind of definitely not growing up in the good part of Albuquerque by any means. And, you know, once again, the kind of wild thing is, is in Albuquerque, you kind of think about, you know, if someone was like, oh, you know, what was the, what was the drug of choice of Johnny Toppy? I don't think a lot of people would know that it was cocaine, you know, unless it was an older person. You know, I think a lot of people would be like, oh, you know, I don't know, is you know, pills, some kind of heroin, something like that. But it was actually cocaine. That was his, his drug of choice. And, you know, and it, it was it was just something that he kind of carried with him in his entire life. It, it was something that like kind of once he tried it and he had a, he actually had a pretty famous quote that, you know, he what he was trying to teach kids is, you know, you know, if you try drug, you know, you should never try drugs. And if you try drugs once, it's a mistake. If you try drugs a second time, it's a habit and, you know, you're not going to be able to break it. So, you know, he, he basically went in and out of, you know, going through these drug habits his entire life. And, you know, kind of something that that I kind of found, you know, kind of touching as I kind of read more about this as well as, you know, he was, he was married to, he was only married once. Um, and his actual wife was not only his wife, but also his manager as well. And it was, her name was Teresa and it was, she was just, she was everything to him. And it, it was actually pretty touching to see that, you know, the one thing that he always kind of talked about was he never wanted to, um, you know, he never wanted to disappoint her in the ring. And that was kind of the thing that, you know, he said that, he, you know, he had disappointed her outside the ring by being addicted to drugs. But one thing that he never did was he was never, he was never a bad husband in the aspects of what he did outside of his marriage, which, you know, once you, you do some reading about this stuff, you know, it's kind of crazy to think about, you know, drug addict, boxing guy, you know, and hearing him, you know, basically dedicate his entire life to his wife is pretty, you know, it's kind of touching as well as, you know, he has three boys and, you know, once again, Johnny Tapia was the face of Albuquerque. You know, I, I remember, I remember seeing fights whenever, you know, once again, I was, I was very young, but I remember, you know, Johnny Tapia coming on and, you know, HBO and, you know, all that stuff, being a little kid, you know, parents renting, getting it on HBO and stuff and having friends come over and watch the fights. And it, it was a big deal in Albuquerque. I remember that, um, you know, as, as you kind of think about that, as you know, you kind of get older, you know, New Mexico is still a very big fighting city. You know, now it's a little bit more of um, UFC than actual boxing. But nonetheless, you know, he was he was the face of what that city was. And he and if you kind of really think about just what this guy did overall in his life, you know, it, it kind of embodies what Albuquerque's still kind of going through to this day. You know, it's still still this really rough, rough city, you know, but nonetheless, you know, it's very dedicated to its people. It's very family oriented. Um, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, especially if you kind of look up a lot of stuff, there, you know, there is that there's a huge drug problem in New Mexico still to this day. Um 
So, you know, I, I just found it kind of fascinating as, you know, you kind of read about this. I feel like this guy was somebody that, you know, as you kind of get on, as you get a little bit older, I feel like, you know, it's kind of been brushed on the rug because, you know, I think a lot of times people are like, oh, you know, this, he was a drug, drug addict. Granted, he was a great boxer and yeah, he's in the, he's in the Hall of Fame of boxing, but, you know, I don't think that a lot of people really recognize what this guy did for the city of Albuquerque, bringing so much recognition to it, you know? Um, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, as you kind of read more about what his, what him and his relationship was with his wife, Teresa was, you know, whenever he got on drugs and after they got married, he actually, he actually overdosed basically like the day after he was married and his wife locked him into the house, locked him in there for, I think it was a total of six weeks. Um, and just basically forced him to get sober. And that's what actually got him back into the boxing ring and able to kind of pursue the boxing titles that he was able to accomplish was because of what his wife did. And she kind of held him responsible for it. So, you know, if you kind of think about that in the grand scheme of his overall life, someone being able to kind of grab you by your, grab you by, you know, as a man, you know, you kind of have someone grab you by your balls and force you to do something you know, it's not the easiest thing to do. And then on top of that is, you know, she had to kind of embody that for the the entire, her entire relationship with him. You know, he, he died at 45. And once again, I was, I was very ignorant in this thought process as well as, you know, Johnny Tapia, you know, I was like, how did Johnny Tapia die? And my first thought was, I was like, oh, you know, he probably overdosed, you know, that's just, Dude was dude was uh, an avid drug addict. That was the thought, and you know he he actually just died of heart failure at forty five years old. And you know he said that once he thought he once he stopped boxing, he thought he would die. And actually, a year after his last boxing match, he he died. So you know not far off of that. And um, you know as you kind of read read through, you know some of this some of the some of the information about his actual death is you know it's pretty sad because he was actually starting a boxing um, organization, I guess, there in Albuquerque, Team Tapia. You know, he had a he had a kind of a ring of of younger fighters, and you know, as you kind of look into it, you know, he was trying to do some better things for the community. But you know, once again, I, I think that you know, it's never you know us as you know, I don't want to say us, but you know, the most common people. You know, you think about something that happens to somebody when they're you know just a small child. You know, I, you know, I'm I'm somebody who you know in this aspect, I'm like, oh, you know, you, know, you have your whole life to get over it. It's um, something easy to get over it, but you know, sometimes those things weigh on you for so long. And you know, this guy was somebody who he didn't even find out who his dad was until he was 43 years old. Um, and whenever you watch these interviews with Johnny Tapia, you know, he still has this very like childish, you know, just mentality. You know, he, you know, he was, he just, he just had that, that very like childhood mentality. He didn't, he didn't really seem like he was, he ever took anything like real, real serious or, you know, he never really seemed like he, he really grasped the full effects of everything. And I think that, you know, once again, you talk about just the overall attitude of him in life and what that kind of goes towards is, you know, you know, understanding you know the severity of an addiction but once you're addicted to anything in life it's extremely hard to break and then on top of that you know you have these you know very very rough demons that you've carried your entire life being a small child carrying this knowledge of you know your mom passing away whenever you're whenever you're only five years old knowing that she got stabbed and then you know he didn't have a dad he was basically raised by aunties uncles grandmas grandpas you know and all that kind of stuff and then you know kind of getting into the boxing scene and then kind of carrying that through and you know it's you know he always says that boxing saved his life and you know it's it's kind of a remarkable story but 
you know, just something that I thought was, you know, as I kind of came across, I thought it was pretty interesting. You know, I think that this is something that kind of gets brushed under the rug, especially, you know, I played, you know, I played college football in, in southern New Mexico. I grew up in New Mexico, I have a lot of friends in New Mexico. So I thought this was a pretty interesting kind of, uh, of tidbit information. And I kind of wanted to just touch on that aspect of it as well. So and then the next topic I want to talk about is actually Zoom Media. So the reason why I want to talk about this is, you know, there's been all kinds of companies announcing IPOs. You know, um, I saw Pinterest announce their IPO last week, Lyft, Uber, you know, those, those are kind of the big, most popular names. I saw this Zoom Media and I was, I was like, I've never, I've never really heard of Zoom. I don't really know anything about Zoom. And whenever I saw the Zoom video communications, you know, I was kind of curious and, you know, my soon-to-be father-in-law started talking to me about it and he was like, yeah, you know, it's it's something similar to Skype and was telling me that it was actually started by an engineer from, from Cisco. And, you know, he had worked at a couple other companies, but that was his, that was his last one as, um, as it had been, you know, it, it was, a, it's a San Jose company. This guy used to work at Cisco. Um, I think he's, I think his name is Eric S. Yan. I believe that he's actually from China. He came here and got his degree, um, if I'm not mistaken. And then he started this company and he started in 2011. Um, and within three years, he had 10 million users of Zoom vi- um, video communication. So once again, I, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to sound like I'm, you know, I'm that ignorant, but you know, when I didn't know anything about the Zoom media, you know, this has been around for, you know, going on eight years. I didn't know anything about it. And, you know, Zoom meetings is that that's what it really was. It, it, you know, it's, you know, there was 10 million actual prescriber users of Zoom, but this actually had 40 million individuals that it actually touched. So, you know, 65,000 organizations were subscribed. And, you know, just that fact alone, it just shows you like how fast this company really caught on. And, you know, once again, this is somebody who found, you know, a niche and, you know, me working in a couple different industries, you know, I really do think that this is something that is going to be embodying the future of, you know, instead of having, you know, your 200 people that are all district managers, sales members, whatever, instead of flying them all to home office, you're going to have them jump on this media and they're going to do a, do a webinar for a week. And that's how it's going to be because doing a webinar for a week, you know, instead of having everyone fly to home office three times a year and you do that, you're going to save the company, you know, what, $100,000 in travel and food and all that stuff. And instead you're going to be able to have them on these actual media um, and you can do this even more often. So, you know, what, you know, I, and this is just from their 2014, this is where they were in 2014 is they were just setting up to be a meeting. And then, you know, then you kind of go through and then the big win, the one that really caught my eye was in actually 2017, um, they announced the release of the first scalable, um, telehealth product. So basically doctors can see patients through this technology, you know, that they, they basically have them, um, have this, you know, this device and then they can kind of have it. So once again, the patients have to agree to HIPAA because you know, that there's, that's the biggest thing is making sure that there's the privacy aspect, but I, I, I just find it extremely useful that, you know, you have, you have patients that are housebound, you know, I, I see it every day in, in doctor's offices, you know, patients that, you know, as I'm walking to, uh, you know, I hate to say this, but I'm walking from my parking lot to the actual doctor's office. By the time I get there, you know, I pass, you know, a dozen people getting in there. And by the time I'm in there talking to the doctor and coming out, the people are barely getting into the office because, you know, once again, a lot of people, a lot of the older people that are going in to see the doctor, you know, they, they move at extremely slow paces. So, you know, just trying to get them out of the car and, you know, once again, 
I hate to say this as well. I hear this nine times out of 10 is, you know, someone gets up to the front desk and they're like, oh, you know, I'm here for my appointment at 10 a.m. And the person at the front desk is like, actually, it's at 1 p.m. You know, that they mix up their times because once again, they're older, they're older people. So you kind of look at this and it's like, well, you've just eliminated that entirely because this is a doctor now that can do something over the actual internet. So with the, the, I say this because, you know, obviously there's still going to be things that of course the patient's going to have to come in, get things done. But, you know, once again, this is something that they can actually see the patient from an actual, actual device with, with compliances of HIPAA. That's the biggest portion of it. Um, and essentially have like a vir- virtual waiting room for patients. It's kind of what they're kind of selling it as. And, you know, they've been having this since 2017. So as I kind of saw this, you know, anything in the medical industry is, you know, it's just, it's gasoline to fire. You know, that's what people want to invest in because there's just so much money in the medical industry. It's insane. And you know, that, that this is something that you're actually taking a technology and putting it into the medical industry. That's, that's going to be very needed. But at the same time, is this something that you're going to be able to use doctors to be able to see, you know, once again, that the average doctor goes in to see a patient, they want them to be in the room no more than 15 minutes. That's the, that's kind of the timeline. So if you can get on a get on a call and you can be on a be on a call with a patient and you can be on there for 10 minutes and you can see four patients in you know in, in that in that in that hour and then you can then go in and see your patients for 15 minutes well you just eliminated having to have those patients come in and you know you're missing calls and all this stuff and guess what they're still going to be taking insurances for these calls so you're just making the span of what one doctor's control is even faster so so i found it very very fascinating as i kind of read through a little bit more of what this technology is going to be going into and once again this is something it, they're still you know i don't want to say they're in in the beginning stages but I mean, this company's only been around for eight years. What they've been able to do and accomplish in this short amount of time is pretty fascinating. Um, and you know, they're evaluated right now as a $16 billion company. And that's with what their shares were. I believe what that's with them initial offering at $36 a share. The company was valued at $16 billion. So I'm just going to say that right there. So that's their initial offering at $36 a share. 16 billion dollars company so what i did was i actually looked up where they're at right now they're actually trading on on the stock market right now at 62 dollars a share so that is insane because they're they're trading that high but you can almost just almost double what that company's evaluation is at a 16 billion dollar that's why they're considered a unicorn ipo because it's just blasted off you know i, I think they're surging it i believe what i read was a 72 percent above what their initial public offering was so you know this company is just kind of in in the beginning stages and i imagine that they're going to be kind of just kind of going more and more into this medical industry as they're going to be kind of taking this, you know, quote unquote, virtual um, waiting room to the next level. And, you know, the the other piece of this too is whenever you kind of look at so many of these companies, you know, the, the market's so volatile right now, you know, the, you know, you look at this IPO and it, it blasts off, you know, it's probably going to come down to earth a little bit more, you know, just, you know, they're just, that's what people do. People bet against the markets and, you know, if there's any kind of one riff, you know, this is the new kid on the block, you know, people are going to sell this stock off and you're already seeing it with Lyft, you know, Lyft, Lyft just shot off right away. And then, you know, people started shorting it and then, you know, Lyft is actually going after a couple of people because so many people, like as soon as it got shot off, they, people were saying, saying to short it. So, 
you know, there's there's a couple different fascinating things whenever you start talking about these IPOs. But, you know, I, the reason I want to talk about Zoom is because I, I hadn't heard anything about it. And I thought it was just kind of something something that, you know, the most common listener was probably like, I don't know. I don't know what Zoom is. You know, I don't I don't know anything about it. But, you know, in this modern day of actual trading, it's kind of blasting. And then, you know, the once again, you kind of start talking about some other actual pretty fascinating markets right now. The marijuana market is pretty wild as as I feel like, you know, I was kind of laughing about this is I feel like any day the market is good, the marijuana market's down. You know, I, I'm i a big CGC guy. Um, you know, Tilry has just been devastating. If anybody had any money in Tilry, you know, it's it, it's gone entirely far down. Um, I think their 52-week high was like 300 and they're trading at $52 now. So once again, just one of those that got shot up and then shot back down. And then, you know, um, Aurora is still doing pretty decent. They're trading at nine. Um, but, you know, that's kind of, you know, the, their 52-week high is 12. And, you know, you kind of look at where they've been in the past two weeks. You know, once again, um, you know, kind of up and down, kind of all over the place. And that's kind of what this marijuana industry has been. And the reason why I talk about this is because I, I really do think that, you know, there's going to be some a lot more conversation around the legalization of marijuana, just as, you know, there's more and more studies. I believe that the last one that I read was that two thirds of the country was they didn't that they think that marijuana should be legalized. So if you believe two thirds of that, that's not Democrats, that's not Republicans, that's just two thirds of Americans think that. So you start to think about that. It's like, well, you know, what's holding it back and the amount of taxation that the company or that the U.S. would be able to have on it is pretty wild the amount of money that they would actually just be able to boost into the actual federal um federal revenue stream so you kind of look at that aspect i think that there's i think that that's going to be something pretty crazy in the next two years um i believe that i just saw once again talking about new mexico i think new mexico just signed the bill to make theirs 100 percent legalized as well so they're going to be the next one and you know i live in arizona arizona is the only one a part of the southwest that's not legalized right now um, and I believe they're trying to pass, well, you know, once again, they want Arizona to become legalized because then they're trying to pass, I believe, some kind of law. I think it's called the Southwest Border Act or something that basically allows any state that's touching, um, that's legalized, they can basically take weed from in and out of those states. So don't hold me on that. That's what, something that I think I was told and something that I had read a little bit about. So I was kind of, I was kind of fascinated about that. But, you know, if you figure about that, I mean, basically from Washington State all the way over to New Mexico. Mexico, as you know, Texas is going to be one of the last states that ever allows that to be legalized. I think it'll be take the entire U.S. to be legalized before Texas. But you know, if you can take marijuana all the way from Washington State all the way over to New Mexico and vice versa, um, you know, I think that it's going to be a fast, fast growing market. I think that you know it's going to be an entirely unprecedented um, amount of money that's going to be just rushing into the U.S. from, you know, I know they call it the green rush and whatnot, but the amount of money that's going to be getting into the actual taxes of the federal side, but also just these companies. Once again, you talk about some of these, some of these marijuana companies as this goes, you know, the the first early players, you know, that's why I'm a huge fan of CGC because, you know, they, they just, um, on Friday, they actually announced that they, what, what company was it? Um, let me see. I think they uh, is acreage holdings. Yeah. So it, once they go legal, once the U S gets legalized, they have the rights to, um, buy acreage holding at 3.4 billion. So once again, this is where you're going to start to see some of these guys really start to get bought up and, 
I think one of the other ones that's very interesting is the Flower Corporation as, you know, they have a ton of product. And this is one of these companies, you know, it's a smaller public company, but this is one of these companies that once again, you look at CGC, you know, Kronos, you look at what some of these other players in it, these some of the big dogs, and they start buying up some of these companies. This is when you want to be holding these other smaller companies like this, because, you know, this company that's only being held at $5 a share, you can have a ton of shares. And, you know, the marijuana industry is, you know, it's, it's not going to fall on its face. You know, it's just there's there's just too much momentum going to get it legalized and there's going to be too much money that's going to be drawn into the actual economics of the u.s for this not to be legalized down the road um you know you're going to look at this and it's going to be something you know once again just like in the just like in the beer and you know the beer industry you know there, there's a there's there's a ton of different beers but there's some major key players and i think that in the marijuana business what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of money get flowed into these bigger players are going to buy up some of these smaller guys and you know you're going to see this initial really huge bump you know as soon as they announce legalization in the US you're going to see these companies you know double in what they're going to be trading for overnight um and just just because of the amount of kind of build up for this so exactly this like CGC getting this getting the rights to acquire acreage you know this is something that as soon as the US legalizes it that company becomes enormously more potential for the amount of money that they're going to be able to make so I did just want to touch on that. I wanted to touch about talk, talk about that Zoom thing. Um, I knew that you know I, I don't maybe you guys already have heard about it. I didn't know anything about it. Um, just the San Jose you know video communications company. I had no idea that they had their hands in the um, medical field as well. Um, really kind of you know breaking down the barriers for doctors to see patients at home through this service. Um, and then also just want to touch on that actual um, just a little bit of the the stocks and whatnot like that with the marijuana business. I think that it's it's just something that's going to continue growing. Um, and then also, you know, the Johnny Tapia stuff. I found that pretty fascinating as well. But hope you guys have a great week. Once again, I'm going to start kicking these guys back out on a very regular basis as I am getting back up to full health. Um, but I hope you guys have a great kickoff of your week and um, a pretty wild game. I'm telling you, um, the the Thunder cannot shoot threes. They, I think they shot like 35% or something like that tonight. And Steven Adams only had six points. I think he only had seven rebounds. Um, the port Portland's going to win this in five. I think that they're going to, I think that they're going to win. And, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of too bad because, you know, once again, I'm a Paul George fan. I like Paul George, but you know, that's one series I've been watching Russell Westbrook. He's, he's a great basketball player for sure. But for whatever reason, the dude just cannot win in the playoffs. Um, you know, last year, I think they got swept, if I'm not mistaken. This year, they're going to be pretty damn close to getting swept. And, you know, it's 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 not going to be easier to try to convince Paul George to stick around there much longer. Um, you know, they can't even get out of the first round, let alone, once again, they're in Oklahoma. Um, and then if you, know, if you guys aren't keeping up with the hockey, it is a fantastic hockey playoff. I mean, if you guys don't watch any hockey all year round just put on an nhl playoff series it's incredible just take a little bit of interest um there's a great series going on right now between the san jose sharks and the vegas kings great great series um you know sharks just pushed it to seven in a double overtime great goal actually too um to push it over there um but once again lightning most wins ever in an nhl um, regular season 
they get swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, other one top seed in the West side, uh, or in the in the West, whatever, whatever, however you break down the NHL, um, the Calgary Flames. They get bumped in the first round. I think in five games um, by the Avalanche. I believe was it the Avalanche? I think so. Um, so once again, just kind of wild, wild stuff going on in the NHL. Um, I've been paying more more attention to the Vegas Knights and actual. Um, and actual San Jose Sharks, just because once again, I lived in Vegas for a little while. I have a lot of friends that live in Vegas. You know, it's, it's tough to root against Vegas. Um, you know, they had a great run last year. Just something, you know, just something kind of pulling for, especially, you know, my Blackhawks got, they got pretty bumped out. Um, they had a pretty rough year this year. Um, so they're not in the playoffs. So it's kind of my, my dog in the fight. So pretty great series there. You got Boston Bruins playing on the Maple Leafs. So pretty great series up there as well. Um, so if you guys, once again, if you guys haven't watched any NHL playoffs, just put on a series, just take a little bit of interest. You know, once again, the games are the games, you know, I think they, they have three periods or not. It's not like you have to invest a ton of time into them or anything like that. Um, if you guys bet on anything, you know, put a little bit of money on a series or something, I'm telling you, it'll make the series so much more fun. But the hockey playoffs are electric this year. I highly recommend you guys just sit down and watch them a little bit. Um, you know, once again, I'm not trying to bash on basketball by any means. Um, as, you know, I've been watching the, you know, once again, I like, I like the Thunder in uh, Portland. But that's kind of been the only series that I've really spent too much time on. As, you know, Kyrie looks like they're about to smack the Pacers out of the playoffs. And then, um, what was the other one I watched? Detroit looks awful against the Bucks, And then Golden State's going to beat the Clippers. And then what was the other one? The Spurs. The Spurs are kind of holding their own, but that's just because of Papa. He's a, he's a great coach, that is for sure. Um, and the Orlando Magic kind of hanging around there. So, um, but that's pretty much all the sports stuff kind of going on. We got the draft coming up. I'm gonna kind of drop one of these later this week, um, just in preparation of the draft and drop out some more information. But I hope you guys have a great week, and I'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys.